Before um, I just talk about what I want to talk about this morning, um, and uh, one of the uh, uh, results of the questionnaires so far um, is you would like the talk to be a bit shorter. And so we're going to try very hard to make the service a little bit shorter from now on, because uh, we know some of you with children, it can be distracting and it's hard to concentrate for long. And I'm going to try, we're going to try and be a bit more concise. But I do just want to make one mention. Um, obviously, we've been watching the news this week, and this seems to be a, a, just a crazy year in all sorts of ways. And it can seem um, uh, just so many things going wrong. Uh, and, they, and lots of bad things are happening, bad things, people dying, uh, people killing each other, um, all sorts of things like that. But, you know, God can. He doesn't cause this stuff. I don't believe that. We don't believe that. But he can bring good out of it, especially if we, the church, uh, rise up and be and be a reflection of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Andy and I, we talked about last week, and uh, it's on our Soul Survivor Watford YouTube channel. Um, we made a little statement about racism, and we're not going to talk about it every week, uh, but we do want to say this one thing. Um, uh, I said last week, um, I don't want to get into politics. And uh, some came back and said, but of course it's politics. And everything's politics and of course it is everything's politics but there are some things that are politics that Christians can disagree on uh, like whether we should have left the European Union or not whether we should raise taxes or not uh, whether we should renationalize the railways or not they are lots of things <clears throat> that followers of Jesus can have different opinions on and guess what I'm not sure that God was like either a vote leave or a vote remain, uh, you know, person. Uh, and there's great Christians in all political parties. And for us as Christian leaders, we don't want to start uh, telling people what they should think uh, in all those matters of politics. But sometimes something comes up which is not about simply about politics. It's deeper than that. It's about Christianity and what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that racism is evil, that treating human beings differently because of their racial background, because of the color of their skin um, is wrong and it's evil and it's sin. And we as Christian leaders are, say, are speaking that. We must do, we must do. The tragedy of Nazi Germany was, apart from wonderful people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for a season, much of the church stayed silent. <clears throat> and the Holocaust happened. We in the church cannot stay silent. So we're not going to keep talking about it, but we do recognize. We, we want to learn. We want to really learn from our brothers and sisters um, who, who are black and who have a different life experience to many of us. We want to listen. Also, whilst we glory, we, we love the fact that we are a multiracial, multicultural church, that has not been reflected as we would like in the leadership, not as much as it should be in the leadership. We want to change that. We really do. It's one of our failings. 
uh, we want to say that that everybody is equal in every way. So in uh, male and female, uh, different racial backgrounds, everything. And everybody is welcome in our church and everyone can rise up to fulfill their potential and their gifting and their calling. We want to encourage everyone to do that in their workplaces, in the whole of life, but also we want our church to reflect that. I said that longer than I was going to, but I've said it. Um, now, what I want to do is talk about something that I've talked about before uh, more than once. And half of me wants to apologize for bringing this up again. And the other half really doesn't want to apologize. And the half that doesn't want to apologize has definitely won on this occasion. And the reason I'm not going to apologize for giving, uh, give, saying this again is because I believe with all my heart that this is the word of the Lord to us at Soul Survivor Watford. Now, if you are watching and you're not part of our church, I know many of you are, you're very welcome to listen, but you're eavesdropping uh, on a conversation <clears throat> that we are having as a church. And uh, uh, the reason I want to bring it up again is I have once again been horrified, been horrified by uh, the divisions that are existing in our society and the hatred that there is. And I, I just can't bear to look at the Twitter news feeds anymore because there are folk who disagree on things and who don't know. I love the prayer that was prayed earlier on. Lord, may we love those who we disagree with, who disagree on stuff. And it's like they hate the people who think something differently. And there is so much hatred around. Uh, someone I know said this week um, that people say that this generation has no concept of sin. And that's not true. This generation has a huge concept of sin. What this generation has no concept of is redemption. And I believe that totally. We have such a concept of sin. We will call each other out. Uh, sin that goes against our cultural norms, and it is sin, um, gets not only exposed, but is never forgiven. You know, someone does something, did something 37 years ago, it is found out they can never come back. They are thrown into the utter darkness. There is no concept of forgiveness. There is no concept of restoration. And instead of restoration, there seems to be a culture of hate. And as a result, I'm tired of talking to people. It happened again just very recently. Someone who, who, who felt they did something wrong in the past and are full of secret shame and, and are, are scared that someone might exaggerate something and say something and, and, and they, they, might, they might be completely shamed and humiliated. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And we all have a past. Everybody has stuff that they are ashamed of. And the good news of Jesus is that in Christianity, in Jesus, there is meant to be forgiveness. There is meant to be a second chance. There is meant to be a new start. Our God is the God of the second chance. 
Our God is the God of the new start. He is the God of forgiveness. He is the God of grace. And in that reading that Bex read to us, you know, Jesus says really clearly, love your enemies. You do not need a whole load of commentaries to understand that statement. For us as Christians, for us as followers of Jesus, we are to love our enemies. So, you know, if we were uh, pro-Brexit, we need to love those who were against Brexit. If we're, if we're pro-Labour, we need to love conservatives. Um, in our church, everybody is welcome. Even Arsenal supporters are allowed to be part of our church. That is a work of grace. Uh, do you know, seriously, seriously, in a world where it's full of, of no second chances, full of, of shame, full of brokenness, full of sin, for which there appears to be no restoration, full of punishment instead of discipline. And there is a difference. You know, God does not punish us. He punished Jesus on the cross. What he does is he disciplines us, not as a punishment as a headmaster, as a head teacher, but as a father who wants us to grow, as a father who loves us. And we are called in this world to be a people of grace, to be a people. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And this is an opportunity. And I love the way we as a church do that. Um, people comment, we just had it again, about the, the welcome, the sense of love, the sense of grace, the sense of mercy. And I just want to encourage us, I believe with all my heart, that as we do that, as we live like that, we reflect the love of Jesus. But also, also in a world where there are folk who, 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 who desperately need to know that they are loved and accepted, not on the basis of their performance, but on the basis of their intrinsic worth as a human being. We want to say to people, come here, come here. We, it's our saying, it's one of our sayings. We wanna be a church where it's okay not to be okay. Now that does not mean that we wink at sin, that we think sin is all right. God hates sin and we must hate sin. It was sin that sent Jesus to the cross, but let's never get confused. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, you know what? We're to hate sin, but we are to adore sinful people. We are to love sinful people. We are not to condemn sinful people because Jesus took the condemnation so that we would be free from all that. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has triumphed over the law of sin and death, Romans 8 verse 1. And uh, that needs to be, that's true, and, and, and we want that to be our foundation and as we do that, uh, folk will come, folk will come and they will find peace, peace with God 
and peace with their fellow human beings. And do you know a reason that we do not, a reason that we do not um, live like that, that our culture doesn't live like that, the reason that our culture um, is, is full of condemnation, I, I'll just say this one thing, it happened recently, I, it, it drove me nuts. Um, there was a tweet on Twitter um, from a lady called Kate McCann. And uh, the tweet was, hey folks, let's please do what the government says and let's observe the lockdown because people's lives depend on it. Let's, let's save people's lives by social distancing. And I saw, I saw the feed that came from that. And people thought it was Kate McCann, the mother of Madeline McCann, who was brutally murdered in Portugal many years ago. And, uh, and it was horrible. It was that so-and-so, and the language was terrible. Hatred of this woman. You know, how dare she tell us to save lives when she was responsible for the killing of her own daughter? How she should, she should be locked up. She should be ashamed. She should, she should be finished for the way she treated her daughter. And the fact was, they, they misunderstood. It wasn't Kate McCann who tweeted the mother of Madeleine McCann. It was Kate McCann, the political commentator on Sky News. But what it said to me was, this woman lost her child. Yes, maybe she made a mistake when they went out to dinner and they left their kids without supervision in, in, in the apartment. Maybe they did, but she has paid for it. And it was years ago. And there was this utter hatred. And when, when, you, when you give out hatred, a lot of it is you're projecting. You're projecting the pain that you feel yourself. And it's like, how can, they, how can these folk have any peace when they've got so much hate in their hearts? And what we need to keep coming back to and understanding is the grace of God for us, that it is freely given. His love is something that is not anything we could ever earn. He loves the worst of us on our worst days, and he will never, ever stop. And there's just two very quick stories. I'm nearly there. And they're from uh, Luke 18 and 19. And I'll paraphrase because of the time. Uh, a certain ruler came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And uh, Jesus says, you know the commandments, don't commit adultery, do not murder, uh, you shall not steal, etc. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And then Jesus says, there's still one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And then come and follow me. And the man went away. Uh, very, very sad because he couldn't do it. And do you know, when I first read that, I thought, Jesus, you got that bit of theology completely wrong. Haven't you heard of the Reformation? Haven't you read any Martin Luther? It doesn't depend on keeping the commandments. It doesn't depend on that because you're about to die on, uh, on that. And it's like, what's going on here? And then if you turn the page, the very next thing you read in Luke 19, 
is Jesus enters Jericho and there was a man called Zacchaeus, a little man who was a chief tax collector and very, very wealthy. He goes up a tree to look at Jesus in the distance. And by tax collector, we mean he was a traitor to his own people. He was robbing his own people and taking taxes for, uh, to, for the Roman authorities. And then when Jesus reached the spot, he sees Zach. He finds him. He says, Zach, come down, come near to me. And he says, Zach, today I'm going to hang out at your house. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, Lord, uh, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. And when I, again, when I first read that, I was like, wait a minute, Lord. To the rich ruler who kept all the commandments, you said, no, 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 you can't come in unless you do sell everything. Zach's up a tree. He's a bad person. And you call him down and you say, before you do anything, I'm going to hang out at your house. And Zach's is a response to grace. What's going on there? The rich ruler said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus was saying, well, if it's on the basis of what you do, you better keep all the commandments. Mm -hmm. I knew you'd say that. I've done it, says the self-righteous guy. Okay, well, here's one more thing. Sell everything you have. If it's on the basis of what you do, be perfect. If it's on the basis of what you do. But Zach knew that he couldn't. Zach knew he couldn't offer anything. He never thought. And Jesus called him. He found Zach. And he said, Zach, because I love you, because you know you can't give me anything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with you. And Zach's response was a response to grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And that's the basis on which all of us come. That's the basis that's the glory of the gospel. That's the wonderful thing. And when we know that, when that is true deep in our souls, deep in our spirits, then we can begin to love other people that way. And I want to encourage you, church, as we're scattered, and I hope and pray one day soon we will be gathered. And yes, there will be Greek food on offer. I'm practicing in my kitchen now. When we're gathered, we want to practice loving people the way Jesus loves them, being a place of acceptance of love, not accepting sin, not accepting evil, not accepting hurtful stuff. No, 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 no. But loving people, because that's how we all change. That's how, that's how people become whole. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance, Paul says in his letter to the Romans. That's how I got in. Isn't that how you got in? All we have to offer him is ourselves. Love heals. Love wins. Love your enemies, because by doing that, you turn your enemies 
into your friends. You turn your enemies into friends of God. That's our great calling. In a world that is falling apart, our wonderful calling is to be a beacon of love and hope 